Well, hello, friends. This is Pastor Steve Carleo, and I want to thank you for joining me on this Bible in a Year reading plan. I'll give a little bit of structure for how this plan is going to work. Uh, if you're in this group, you've probably seen the post that I've pinned to the top here that has our reading plan file. In it, you'll see for each day of the week uh, a set of readings that you're to do. For example, um, for this day, you're going to read Genesis 1 through 5 and also Proverb 1 and Psalm 1. The good news is there is nothing to do over the weekend. So Saturday and Sunday, there are no readings. That gives you time to focus in on your relationship with God in other ways, through prayer, maybe some other devotional readings. I always recommend picking up a, a, a daily devotional that you can um, put into practice each morning or night, whatever works for you. Now, over the course of the year, we will have read through the entire Old and New Testament, which is a huge undertaking. Um, you'll notice also that um, when I do my readings on the recording, I'll be using the web translation. That's the World English Bible Translation because it is uh, open source or public domain, as they say. Um, it's copyright free, so I can legally uh, read from it in its entirety and not get in trouble. Um, so I'll be reading from the web translation, and it'll seem a little bit different from the uh, new international version, the NIV, that I've encouraged you all um, to read. So it's always good to read from multiple translations so you can understand the different nuanced meanings of the various words. You can keep the conversation going through this Facebook uh, group. You can post thoughts, questions, any art that you come across that helps conceptualize what you've read it's just a good way to keep our conversation of the scripture going. So I encourage you all to do that. Now, without further ado, we'll proceed to the readings of Genesis chapters 1 through 3. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was on the surface of the deep and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, Let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the heavens. God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning on the second day. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together to one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with their seeds in it, on the earth. And it was so. The earth yielded grass, herbs yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with their seeds in it, after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning on the third day. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs to mark seasons, days, and years, 
and let them be for lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, let the waters abound with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning the fifth day. God said, let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind and the livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, let's make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed which is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed. It will be your food to every animal on the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Genesis chapter 2 The heavens, the earth, and all their vast array were finished. On the seventh day God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested in it from all his work of creation which he had done. This is the history of the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens. No plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for Yahweh God had not caused it to rain on the earth. There was not a man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Yahweh God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Yahweh God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground Yahweh God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it was parted and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, it flows through the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedelium and onyx stone are also there. 
The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the same river that flows through the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel. This is the one which flows in front of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Yahweh God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Yahweh God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground Yahweh God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature became its name. The man gave names to the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for man there was not found a helper comparable to him. Yahweh God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. As the man slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Yahweh God made a woman from the rib, which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and will join with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, Has God really said, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it. You shall not touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You won't really die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. Then she gave some to her husband with her, and he ate it too. Their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They heard Yahweh God's voice walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden. Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Yahweh God said to the woman, What have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Yahweh God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock and above every animal of the field. You shall go on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. You will bear children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. 
To Adam he said, Because you have listened to your wife's voice and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, the ground is cursed for your sake. You will eat from it and labor all the days of your life. It will yield thorns and thistles to you, and you will eat the herb of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your face until you return to the ground, for you were taken out of it. For you are dust, and you shall return to dust. The man called his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all the living. Yahweh God made garments of animal skins for Adam and for his wife, and clothed them. Yahweh God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore Yahweh God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. It is the first scroll of the five-part Pentateuch or Torah. Genesis got its name from the very first words of that scroll in which it says, in the beginning. So it's a book of beginnings. And it's divided into two main literary units, the first of which is what we call the primeval history. That's chapters 1 through 11. And then 12 through the end of Genesis is the patriarchal or the ancestral history. And we'll see how uh, the different patriarchs, including Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, um, trace all the way out. And today, I wanted to focus mainly on chapters 1 through 3, and especially how humanity plays a special role in creation and relationship with God. In Genesis 1, we see the very first words are in the beginning, God, right? Uh, this means that God is both pre-existent, uh, he exists outside of creation, uh, he is the uncaused cause, and he is eternal. As you continue through Genesis chapter 1, you also see that um, God is uh, Trinity. He is God in three persons, three in one. We see this in verses 2, uh, the latter part, and 26, the, the first part, where the action of the Trinity is apparent, right? God created um, the world, and we see that the, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And then there's the use of the word us, right? So there is a plurality here, but that plurality is one. It's the mystery of the Trinity. Now, as you go through Genesis chapter 1, I also wanted you to notice that uh, everything that God created, he deemed it what? It says good, right? God created the light and saw that it was good, right? And as he continued through this creative process on the many days, um, again, everything was called good. Except when he got to humanity, right? When, when God created Adam from the dust and breathed in um, his nostrils, the breath of life, uh, he saw that it was very good. So creation being good and very good when it comes to God's image bearers, which is uh, humanity, I wanted you to notice that creation is not perfect. Uh, and this is where that special relationship uh, and calling or vocation 
comes into play because God invited us as humans to partake in the creative process, uh, to continue this project um, of creating a, a world that is perfect and that includes God's glory in all aspects. As image bearers, we are like angled mirrors that reflect God's goodness and grace and glory throughout humanity. And we also reflect all of the praises and the goodness that uh, we've co-created in the world back to God. Then moving on into Genesis chapter 2, we see that there is a seventh day of creation that occurs. And on this day, God rested. This is the first time that the word holy is used. And this is really interesting because what it shows is that the creative process, in order to do that well and effectively, there must be work and rest, a certain rhythm to it, right? We can't work 100% of the time, else we burn out. And when we burn out, we cannot glorify God. So a healthy balance in life and in our vocation and work and everything else is to have a rhythm of work and rest. The word holy being used here points to the fact that there is more to it than just God being this almighty, perfect, and righteous, and just person. Holiness is also a part of who we are and who we are meant to be. We are to have a thriving life. Humans are meant to thrive in context to their relationship with God and their vocation. So there's more to holiness than what many people first think. And verses 15 through 17 here in Genesis 2 serves as a good reiteration of what that vocation is for us. And it also establishes a command which in turn establishes responsibility in this relationship with God. And it reads once again, Yahweh God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. There's work involved. This is part of the vocation. And Yahweh God commanded the man saying, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. This establishes what we like to call uh, free will. We are free to choose to obey God. We are free to choose to live into the vocation he's called us into, or we may uh, do whatever the heck we want uh, to do um, what goes in the face of what God wants. God is not going to force his will upon us, right? God created us as the crown of his creation for authentic relationship. He was not a uh, robot manufacturer that made little robots to do his bidding. That is not authentic relationship. So we have free will when it comes to our relationship and our vocation. Now in Genesis chapter 3, this is what we uh, typically characterize as the fall of humanity and also the world and the cosmos, the the implications and the repercussions were far extending. We also see this introduction of this interesting character, right? The serpent, uh, who is more cunning and crafty than the other creatures. 
what's interesting about this is uh, as humans we not only have free will to do what we so choose but we also have some outside influence that seeks to derail us from God's will. Um, this is the serpent here. Uh, later in the, the last book of our Bible, Revelation, uh, the author, John, um, explicitly calls this serpent out as the devil. So as we see going on into verse 6 and beyond, uh, Eve kind of fell into the wily acts of this serpent, right? And she saw, right, that the fruit looked good, um, seemed to be good for the body for eating, and that it might give some wisdom to go along with it. This very much smacks like the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, those kind of three cardinal sins that uh, the author John calls out in 1 John 2.16. We'll also see how this tendency, which was born out of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, kind of carries through um, the whole of Scripture. Especially in the Old Testament, we'll see how Israel time and time again traded their relationship and their call of God with other things. Um, the primary sin of Israel is idolatry, right? Placing their worship and their trust and their faith in things that are uh, other than God. Most of the time, things that are made by human hands, idols, right? Who by themselves are just created things made of wood or metal and have no power. But because of our tendency towards sin due to this fall, uh, there's just this cyclical problem we'll see through Scripture where humanity seeks to glorify themselves uh, and seeks to worship other things and people, even themselves, over God. Now there's something that is called the Proto-Evangelion. This is Genesis 3. 15. That's a fancy word that means the first gospel. So despite this mess that Adam and Eve got themselves into and um, the waves that have kind of rippled out from this fall event to where we are today, um, God right there in Genesis 3, 15 uh, promises uh, that this won't be the end, that there will be victory over this uh, he said, I will put hostility between you and the woman. He's talking uh, about the serpent and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now, the her here is we know now because we have the fullness of scriptures uh, in our possession that this was Mary. And through Mary, the, the promised Messiah, the eternal king, Jesus was born. And he came to uh, crush the head of the serpent. He came to have victory over the powers of sin and death. This is the first gospel, and it is seen right here in the very beginning. But after this also, we see that there are some consequences, right? Sin has consequences. Uh, God doesn't want sin for us. Uh, and he doesn't really want us to endure the consequences, but this is what we bring onto ourselves. And for Adam, uh, there was a curse, right? The curse was that he was going to till the land and 
um, through his sweat and through running into these thorns and thistles, which are painful, uh, he would yield food for himself and his family. This is kind of the curse of work um, for him. And for Eve, she got the curse of amplified pain through childbirth. And the serpent, he was uh, basically um, relegated down into the dust where he would crawl and eat uh, and eventually um, be killed. But regardless of these curses, we see that there's also a blessing uh, for Adam and Eve in particular. What does God do? Um, these two folks that are now living in their consequence of sin, they found themselves to be naked and they were ashamed of it. God took an animal, killed it, shed blood, skinned it, and covered them. Right? And here we have a picture of what is to come. God is going to shed blood to cover a multitude of sins. Jesus would suffer once and for all so that sin can be dealt with and we can have proper relationship, reconciliation with God. That is the blessing of God. And it also taps into this idea of hesed. It's a Hebrew word that refers to covenant faithfulness. So regardless of the number of times we may mess up and may violate God's covenant, which he gives to us, by the way, for our own good, so that we might live that, um, that good life, that thriving life. Um, so regardless of how many times we may um, violate that and, and do what we think is best, God is relentless in offering his grace to us to bring us back into proper relationship. That is Hesed. It's his loving kindness. That's his relentless grace that never gives up on us. And we're going to see that all throughout Scripture. So friends, we find ourselves in a bit of a beginning here on this journey in the Bible in a year. It's going to be a hard journey. Let's not uh, mince words. Uh, reading through God's Word, if you've never done it before, is a huge undertaking. Um, but there is grace for the journey. If you miss a day, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Pick up again um, in the next day or so and get back to it. And if you can make it up, make it up. Uh, but this is a community here that I'm praying will pray for one another and support each other uh, and have grace for each other so that we might enjoy the fullness of God's holy inspired word and grow in our understanding of this word, what it means for us and how we are to live out our lives where we are today, some 2,000 years beyond uh, when Jesus lived, and thousands more years from um, when the book of Genesis was authored. So let's pray for each other, let's support each other, and keep the conversation going throughout the week using the gift of Facebook groups. And if you want to invite someone else along on this journey, some friends, family, whoever, uh, you're welcome to have them join at any time throughout the year. If you're reading God's Word more because of this journey together, well, that is a win. Even if you don't make it the full 365 days, any day that you are reading God's Word is a win. And if you're growing in your capacity to read, that is an even bigger win. So I encourage each of you, I'm praying for you, 
I hope that you will all be blessed during this time together. God bless.